One day, uh, as Jesus was on this earth, he was walking uh, along the shore uh, there in Galilee, and and uh, John uh, John uh, called the Baptist. He was not Baptist because of any kind of church or denomination. Uh, they didn't have all of those at that time. Uh, he was called the Baptist because he was a baptizer. He was calling he was calling the Jews to repent and uh, calling them to turn from religion and to turn to God, to trust in, in uh, God's Word, and, and to believe, the, uh, believe in the Messiah who was coming. And, and John was calling them to repent of their sins from turning against God and living, uh, living in a way that, as the Bible says, was right in their own eyes. John was calling them to repentance. And the Bible tells us that one day, uh, one day as John was baptizing, uh, he's, he's telling about the Messiah. He's talking about this one that is to come. And as he put it, he said, his shoe latchet, I'm, I'm not even worthy to unloose. Then he saw him. He saw Jesus walking along there. And he, he pointed him out to, the, to, his, to his disciples. He pointed him out to those others that had come to hear him preach. He pointed him out to those whom he was baptizing. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus is the Lamb. In the Old Testament, uh, we read... we, we read much of, of, of judgment. We read much of, of the wrath of God. We read a lot about, about uh, sacrifices being offered and payment being made for sins. And, and the, God's Word shows us those things because God wants us to understand there is judgment. There is a penalty for sin. There is right and there is wrong. And the Old Testament was given to teach us to teach us uh, what God uh, what 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 God uh, expects of of us, which is holiness. But you and I understand that uh, that we're not holy by a long shot. We we we're unrighteous. But here's the thing: the Bible says that God gave us. The law. He gave us all of that in the Old Testament to show us that we are unholy, to show us that we are unrighteous, to show us that we cannot keep the law. He didn't do it to be mean, but he did it to show us that we can't depend on ourselves. We can't, we can't do it in our own strength. We, he, he gave us that to show us how much we need him. And man tried to live apart from God. Tried to devise his own way and, and came up with different religions and different ways. And even, even the people of Israel, the Jews, they, they uh, tried to stay very close. But, uh, but uh, as God's word says, they, with their mouth they drew nigh to God. But with their heart they were far from him. They were going through the formalities. They were going through the rituals, going through the motions and, and making a show like they were being obedient to God. But their motivation for it was self-gratification. Their motivation was to be, uh, to, to be something in the eyes of those around them. To make everybody think, whoa, there's some holy person right there. Hey, but that's not, that's not what God wanted. God wanted them, wanted them to realize they are fallen. They are unrighteous. They are unworthy. And they need God. Spiritual darkness just engulfed the planet and, and everyone, was, everyone was walking in darkness. The Bible says, the pe- but then the people that walked in darkness saw a great light. 
Because Jesus came. He came to be the sacrifice for our sins. There in the Old Testament, because of sin, God had told the people of Israel, you must offer a lamb, you must offer a sacrifice. And, and this, this, uh, this uh, lamb of, of one year, uh, it's, it cannot have a blemish, it cannot have a spot, it, it's got to be a, a perfect lamb. And, and they would offer this lamb as a sacrifice, uh, but that lamb was only good to cover their sins for a year. After a year, another lamb had to be offered and another lamb had to be offered and another lamb had to be offered. Hebrews tells us that these priests, they were offering, offering sacrifices daily, day after day after day, offering one sacrifice after another. Much, uh, uh, much blood was shed, many lambs were slaughtered and, and their, their, their blood was offered to atone or to cover the sin of the people. But after a little while, another lamb had to be offered. Then Jesus came. Jesus came and John identified him to the people there. He said, this is the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb which taketh away the sin of the world. This is the Lamb of God. This is the pure Lamb. This is the perfect Lamb. This is the spotless Lamb. This is God in the flesh. Jesus came we, and we're, we're, this morning we're going to take a look at different points through his life and, and just, see, just see the lamb at work. We're going to see the lamb as he's presented to us for us to believe. In the book of John it says, it says many, thing, many other things that uh, did Jesus uh, do while he was upon this earth. It says, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah, He's the Savior, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Jesus is the Lamb. We see in John chapter 1, uh, in verse, uh, verse uh, 36, John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. As we look through Jesus' life, we're going we're to go back to the, to the beginning of His life here on earth. And the time that we celebrate uh, around December, we, we call it Christmas. It's the celebration of Christ. And it's the celebration of His birth. So first of all, let's take a look at, at the Lamb in the manger. The Lamb in the manger. Jesus came... To be this lamb in the manger. Uh, and and we'll, we'll, we'll put it this way. When, when Mary looked in the manger and she saw Jesus there. When the shepherds came to see Jesus there in the manger. When Joseph looked at, at to Jesus in the manger. Uh, a little while later when uh, as, as he was a child. The, the, the uh, three, we call, well we say three, it's, that's just kind of tradition. The, the wise men came and they saw Jesus. And these all bowed and they worshipped him. Because, why, why would they worship a baby? Because this baby is like no other baby. This baby is God incarnate. See, in the, in the, in the manger... They saw the Lamb as God incarnate. The word incarnate means, means embodied in flesh. Or given a bodily, especially a human form. The Gospel of John says in, in, verse, in chapter 1 verse 14. Uh, well, in verse 1 rather. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word. 
And if you, if you're, if you have your Bibles open and you see, you see that verse there, uh, in the beginning was the Word, there's a capital W there. Indicating this is speaking of a person. This is a proper noun, if you will. Uh, speaking of a person, this is, uh, this is uh, uh, saying uh, this, the Word is a, is a person and that person is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. Notice it says, and the Word was with God. The Word uh, was with God the Father. The Word was with the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Ghost. The Word was with God. And notice it says, and the Word was God. This is, this is showing us a picture of the Godhead, the three in one. Uh, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The Bible says all things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was, was at work in perfect harmony with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit as the world was created as, as everything was spoken into existence, Jesus was at work there. He's God. But he, uh, there we see, we see different, uh, different appearances of Jesus through the Old Testament. But, but here He came to earth to, to be born of a virgin. The Bible shows us He robed Himself in flesh. He, he became a human being. He became a man. That's the word incarnate. He was given a, a human body and the word was made flesh, verse 14 says, and, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word glory means the evidence of the power. As the power of God uh, was, uh, was working through Jesus, God in the flesh. The Bible says that it pleased the Father that in Jesus should the fullness of the Godhead dwell bodily. So uh, God is, is in flesh in, in Jesus Christ as, as the people could see it, uh, see him there. And, and the things that he did was, was through the power of God and the evidence of the power was his glory. And notice how that glory was seen in grace and truth. Jesus was seen, the lamb was seen there in the manger, the, the innocent, sinless, spotless lamb there in the manger, God incarnate. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, great, uh, it says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was revealed to us in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. When, the, when Mary looked at Jesus uh, there in the manger and, and she heard the testimony of the shepherds as they told about the angels coming and saying, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The Bible says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. 
The angels went away to heaven. The shepherds said, let's go see this thing which is come to pass that the angels have made known unto us. And they made haste and they hurried to Bethlehem and they found the stable. They found the manger. They saw Jesus and they bowed and worshipped Him. And they began to go around telling everybody. Oh, we've seen Him. We've seen Him. Messiah has come. The angels told us that Christ child is born. And He's here. He's born in that manger. And Mary heard all these things. And the Bible says she kept these things and pondered them in her heart. This child is God. God incarnate. God in the flesh. Jesus course didn't stay a baby and you know all all babies they grow up and Jesus Jesus grew up and he lived a perfect life wouldn't hey, wouldn't you have hated to be Jesus brother oh he's the perfect child never talks back to mama you know well I'm glad he never talked back to mama right I'm glad he never disobeyed I'm glad he always put his stuff where it goes and and never never once those picking on his brothers and and aggravating them and provoking them to wrath I'm glad Jesus didn't do that because those are sinful things and Jesus is without sin he lived a perfect life and and there at the age of 12 he was uh, he was in the temple uh, talking with the talking with the the intelligent minds of their day the scholars the doctors and and he was asking them questions and he was answering their questions and they marveled at the wisdom that this kid had but if they only knew who he was they wouldn't have marveled other than the fact that God is in their presence we see Jesus became, uh, continued to grow and He became a man. And, and we see Him, we see the Lamb, uh, not only in the manger, but we see the Lamb in the wilderness. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 4, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan after He was baptized of John and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted, by the de- tempted of the devil. And in those days He did eat nothing. You know, I I can barely go 40 minutes without eating something. Jesus went 40 days without eating anything. He was fasting. And And he was out in the wilderness fasting. A couple of weeks ago, I, I, went up, uh, I went up Lake Avenue here. And, and uh, at, the top of, at the top of Lake there, you know, where there's that hiking trail. And men, we're going to go up there here in, a, uh, here in a, about a month or so, maybe a couple of months. Uh, we got a, a men's uh, a prayer hike planned. We're going to go up there and, and we're going to hike a little bit. We're going to pray a little bit uh, together. Then we're going to get alone and pray. Uh, and not too far, so, you know, mountain lions eat us and everything like that. But we'll, we'll kind of scatter, get apart just a little bit and spend some time alone with God praying. And I got up there and, and by the time I got up to the, I got up to the, uh, to, to the top, well... As far as I was going to hike that day, uh, I, got, I was hungry. So I sat down and broke out a, a, you know, a, a energy bar or something like that. And I ate it. And, and it you know, I, but I can't imagine going out into the wilderness for 40 days eating nothing. Jesus had eaten nothing. And, and the Bible said, and afterward, he, he afterward hungered. You know, it's no wonder. He was spending 40 days being tempted of the devil out there in the wilderness, eating nothing. And after that, he's hungry and the devil comes along and he says, He says, if thou be the son of God, command these stones that they be made bread. 
And Jesus answered, answered him saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. God Jesus didn't have to prove himself to Satan. Satan knew good and well who Jesus was. He knew very well that Jesus is God in the flesh. But Satan knew that he was exactly that, God in the flesh. And Satan knew that, that our flesh has a tendency to, to want, the, want to be satisfied. And so he thought, maybe, just maybe I can get him to slip up here. You know, when we get, when we get hungry, sometimes, we, sometimes our temper gets a little short. Sometimes we get a little ravenous, you know. Sometimes I'll be there at the house and studying and everything, and I'll, get, I'll start to get hungry. And, and I mean, I'm looking for anything. I'm starting to, you know, eat bananas and, and, and candy and, and I'll just eat a piece of bread. I'll, sometimes, my boys think I'm crazy. Sometimes I'll just take a piece of bread, put some mayonnaise on it and just eat it. You know, just all by, just that. And when you're hungry, it's good. The Bible says, the Bible says a hungry soul, to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. So, hey, uh, it's good. And I, I just start, I just start eating. But Jesus was 40 days fasting and Satan said, Hey, just make, hey you, could, you could just say to these stones, be made bread and, and they're going to turn to bread and you can eat and you can be satisfied. But Jesus wasn't there to please his flesh. He wasn't there to satisfy himself. The Bible says he did always those things that pleased his father. So he told Satan, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And, and it, Satan goes on and, and tempts him with a couple of other, uh, other situations. Uh, and in these temptations, he's, he's, uh, he's trying to get Jesus to, to fall. He's trying to get Jesus to sin by bringing along temptations, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he's trying to get Jesus to do things that are displeasing to God. He's trying to trying to get him to, to have for himself those things that God hasn't provided. He's trying to get Jesus to, uh, when, he, when he said to Jesus, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms of the earth and they can worship you. Satan was trying to offer Jesus a shortcut to the throne. But if Jesus took that shortcut, there would be no hope for mankind. There would be no hope for our salvation. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that He came to give Himself to suffer and die. He knew that there's no other way for us to be forgiven of our sins. And so He told Satan, He said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It's written, Thou shalt serve the Lord, worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Bible says the tempter went away from him for a little season. As we see Jesus in the wilderness being tempted of the devil, we see him encountering the devil in these situations. We see he comes through winning that victory with, with flying colors, if you will. And so what we see here is Jesus. He's sinless. He's spotless. We see God infallible. There's no sin in him. He's perfect. In the wilderness we see the Lamb as God infallible. Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, For we have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was on all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. See, Jesus was tempted in the same ways that you and I are. 
But he didn't sin. That gives us confidence to know that we don't have to. Because he won the victory over sin for us. And he wants to give us that victory. We see God infallible. Then Jesus, of course, he didn't stay in the wilderness. He came back and, and he, begins to, he begins to minister to the people. We see him, we see the lamb with the people. His life was spent with the people. He was always in the villages and in the cities and, and here and there going places. And, and in fact, one time he, uh, the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria because there was one woman there. There was one woman that was going to come and meet him, at, meet him at Jacob's well. And Jesus wanted to go through Samaria so he could meet with that one woman. Jesus is interested in individuals. We see him with the people. And with the people, he begins, to, he begins to minister to their needs. He begins to serve. Uh, the Bible tells us in Matthew 4, uh, his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases. That means all kinds of diseases. Many different kinds of diseases and torments. And those which were possessed of devils. And those which were lunatic. And those that had the palsy. Notice this. And he healed them. Jesus has power over sickness. Jesus has power over our physical infirmities. Jesus has power over all diseases. He has power over the devils and even to tell them to, to come out of people and they would have to leave. Jesus touched and healed. Jesus uh, d uh, delivered these people from their sicknesses. Jesus delivered these people from their demons. And we see this, we see the Lamb with the people as God omnipotent. He is God all powerful. God omnipotent. He has all power. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Scripture says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Matthew 8. Jesus had been, had been uh, praying for... Uh, had been had been asleep rather in the boat as as he had told his disciples let's get in the boat and we're going to go to the other side and and they got in the boat and they began to go to the other side and Jesus falls asleep there in the boat and and as they're as they're sailing across the sea a storm comes up and it's tossing that boat this way and that way and waves are splashing all around and and the disciples begin to fear for their lives and they run back and they wake him up and they say master don't you care that we're about to die. And Jesus stood up and he, he said, where's your faith? And he turns and he looks at the winds and the waves and he rebukes them and says, peace be still. And immediately the winds and waves cease. The sea became calm. And the, and the disciples looked and they marveled and they said, they said, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and sea obey him. He's all-powerful. What manner of man is this? I'll tell you. He's God omnipotent. Amen. He's all-powerful. And if, if Jesus is God all-powerful as He is, if He has the power to speak to the storm there and to tell the wind to cease, to tell the waves to lie still, if He has power over the seas like that, He has power over the storms of your life. 
the difficulties that you're facing, the troubles that you're going through. Jesus has power over your storms. And He can speak to the storm and say, Peace, be still. And at His word, immediately they have to calm down. Immediately they have to be still. Many times I've seen Jesus speak peace to the storm. And it's calm. There have been those times when I've seen God in His wisdom. I've seen God in His, in His uh, omnipotence choose not to say peace, be still to the storm. But He speaks to me in my storm and says, peace, be still. And He's able to give me peace in my storm. And he's, he's not only doing that for me, but He's able to do it for you as well. He can speak peace to you in your storm and give you peace to go through your difficult time. Hey, I don't know what situations you might be in. I don't know what storms life has brought around in, you, in, in your situation. But here's the thing. God is all-powerful. God is able. And He can give you peace to go through it with peace, with joy, with rejoicing. The Bible says that when we joy in tribulation, when we are rejoicing in our persecution, when, we are, when we're trusting Jesus, even when things all around us are going wrong, it is an evident token to the world that God is real. That something is, something is different about us. Hey, I want, to, I want to encourage you this morning, child of God, in your storm... Show the world that God is omnipotent. He might not tell the storm to be still. He might just tell you. Would you let Him speak peace to you? He is God omnipotent. Oh, we, we love those times when He speaks peace to the storm. But the greatest testimony your friends and family will ever see is you in a storm. It's you in the midst of a trial. How do you react? Do you, do you act like God has failed you? Do you act like God has forgotten about you? Because here's the truth. He hasn't. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. And he, the Bible says he has, he has all the hairs of your head numbered. I don't know if God, if, if God put it that way because, because he, knows that he knows when number 627 falls out. Or that he just knows you have a certain number of... I mean, he knows it all. But it, when, I, when I read that, it encourages me because he's interested in the details of my life. Whether it is a number that he has assigned to each hair. Or whether he keeps tally of how many we have. He is that interested in you. That's what the Bible says. I'm glad we serve a God that's like that, that cares to that degree and has the power to take care of whatever we go through. With the people, we see He's God omnipotent. And as He was going about healing the sick and raising the dead and, and giving sight to the blind, people are following Him and, and the government begins to notice. The religious crowd began to notice and and they didn't like it that Jesus was getting more of a following than they were. And so they turned against Him. 
They began to plot his death. The Bible says they began to look for opportunity to put him to death. So they made a deal with one of his disciples, Judas. Jesus said Judas was a devil from the beginning. He never was truly a believer. Judas sold him to the, to the religious leaders. And they took him and they mocked him and they beat him. They took him to Pilate and asked Pilate, the Roman, the Roman governor of the, uh, of the land there. He, they asked him to, to put Jesus to death. Pi, Jesus stood before Pilate on trial and and. Pilate began to ask questions and, and hear testimonies. And, and he, he told me, he said, I find no fault in this man. Eventually, they, they told Pilate, they said, if you let him go, you're no friend of Caesar. Pilate was more interested in his position and power than he was in some Galilean. So he didn't, he didn't release Jesus but he turned him over to be crucified. But there before Pilate, as Jesus is standing there, having been beaten, having been, having been uh, spat upon by the, by the Jews, having been mocked, hearing, hearing the accusations against him, Pilate looks at Jesus and he says, Don't you know that I have power to set you free or to have you crucified? But in that moment we see the lamb before Pilate has God in control. Jesus looks at Pilate and he says, he, he says to Pilate, he says, you'd have no power. He says, thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. He said, Pilate, you, don't, you would have no power over me. Except God gave it to you. God has granted you this amount of power for this time. God's in control. He was in control of every situation throughout his life. And Jesus was even, he's God in control even before Pilate because he had placed himself there in his sovereignty, in his, in his foreknowledge, in his, uh, in his omnipotence. He had, he had worked the situation to have himself go before Pilate and to be condemned to be crucified because he is the Lamb. That would take away our sins. If you, as you read through the book of Matthew, you'll see that several times leading up to this point, Jesus had told his disciples, I must needs go to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, I will be, uh, I will be betrayed to the hands of, of wicked men. And, and they'll, they'll beat me and they will crucify me. I'll be put to death, but on the third day I'm going to rise again. Jesus would tell them this over and over and over. And so he placed himself there. He's God in control. He might have looked helpless. He might have looked like he was at the mercy of the Roman centurions and the Roman uh, soldiers that day. But Jesus was in complete control. 
He knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly how far uh, everybody was able to go with their beatings, with their scourging, with their spitting, with their mocking. And they took, they, they, uh, took Jesus and they, they treated Him so cruelly. And, and Pilate washed his hands and told the Jews, he said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. And, and he turned Jesus over to be crucified. And they took Jesus and they beat Him and they laid this cross on His shoulder. And, and He carried the cross to Calvary and the place there of the crucifixion they laid the cross down and Jesus was laid Jesus laid down on the cross and stretched out his arms and and if you study the crucifixion if you study how the the soldiers would go about this this horrible means of crucifying someone and executing them you see that this is the most cruel form of punishment this is such torture in fact it's uh, the word crucifixion is 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 the word that we get our word excruciating from the word excruciating, maybe you'll say, I have an excruciating headache or, or whatever. Or a situation was excruciating, but, but if you only knew what excruciating really was. The word excruciating means from crucifixion. Jesus suffered excruciating pain. As he took his, his arms and would yank on his arms as, he's, as his, uh, he laid his hands out there to, to have the nails driven through his hands. And, 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 th- and he laid his feet out for them to drive the nails through his feet. They set the cross in place and the Bible says every bone came out of joint. And he's hanging there suspended between heaven and earth uh, in shame for everyone to see him suffering and bleeding and dying. The Bible says his visage was marred more than any man. But Jesus had put himself there. Jesus had yielded himself to the power of men so that they would put him there on the cross and crucify him. We see him suffering. We see him there on Calvary as God in my place. We see Him suffering as God in your place. See, He was innocent. He was sinless. He did not deserve to be crucified. He didn't deserve to be treated that way. The only thing He he really deserved was to be exalted to a place of honor. The highest place of honor on earth is not even good enough for God. And He deserves deserves to be exalted. He deserves for us to bow before Him and to worship Him. But we beat Him, we spat on Him, and we crucified Him. In Isaiah it says, Isaiah chapter 53, says He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. 1 John chapter 2 verse 2 says, And He, Jesus, is the propitiation. That's the satisfactory payment for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hey, it doesn't matter who you are. Hey, Jesus died for you. Uh, our, our societies have so, have so divided people. Uh, we've, we've, we divide up uh, as, many, as many different ways as we possibly can and say we're for unity. And then we begin to push issues that are going to drive division even further and say that we want peace. That's no way to have peace. The real way to have peace is to realize that Jesus died for everyone. As the little children's song says, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, yellow, black and white, they're all precious in His sight. 
Jesus loves everybody. Jesus loves every person that has ever been born. And He shed His blood and died on the cross to take your sins and to pay for your sins and mine so that we could have our, our, our relationship with God. He paid for your sins. And the death that He died, the, the blood that He shed was enough to satisfy God for every person to be able to be saved. He's the propitiation. He's the satisfaction. We don't have to be good to earn His, to earn his favor. We don't have to be religious to get God to like us. God loves us and He accepts us because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We see He's God in my place. He's God in your place. Because we deserve to die the death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We deserve to be separated from God for eternity. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus died in your place. Jesus died in my place to give us eternal life. To give it to us freely. He told his disciples that he's, he is the Messiah. He had he'd revealed to them. Uh, he had asked them one day. He said, whom do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter jumped up and he said, thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you. But my Father which is in heaven. God the Father revealed it to, to those men that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus showed Himself. He proved Himself to them through His works, through His words, through the things that He did. They could see that He is Messiah. They trusted Him. And then He died. We see Jesus in the grave. We see the Lamb died on the cross in shame, mocking. They took Him down from the cross and wrapped Him in grave clothes and they laid Him in a, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. There He is in the grave. The disciples were discouraged. The Bible tells us they, had all, they all forsook Him and fled. They all ran away. The only one we know was at the cross, uh, at the crucifixion, was John. When he's standing there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus said, Mother, said, Woman, behold your son. He said to John, Man, behold your, your mother. He's telling John to take care of his mama. She wasn't John's mother. Who's Jesus' mother, and he was telling John to take care of her, to look after her. All the other disciples had forsaken him. They ran away. They're bewildered. They perhaps wondering, wondering, hey, are they coming after us next? The Bible says in John 20 uh, that the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, notice this, for fear of the Jews. 
See, they, they didn't yet know that Jesus had risen from the dead on that first day of the week. They were hiding in fear. Jesus, in their minds, Jesus was dead and in the grave. Can you imagine uh, what was going through their hearts and minds during those three days of Jesus in the grave? We had trusted. The, the people on the road to Emmaus, they, they, they said, we had trusted that he, had, that he would be the Messiah, the Christ. We trusted. But now they've killed him. They've crucified him. He's lying over there in the tomb. But while his body was lying in the tomb, he was still at work. You see, this body is just a, it's just a vehicle. It's just a means of transportation through this life. While his body was, lay, was, uh, was laying in the tomb, Jesus was at work. We see, we see while he's in the grave, while the lamb was in the grave, we see God inconspicuous. He was working even though they didn't notice. He was working in ways that they couldn't see. And many times when you and I are going through situations, maybe going through a time of discouragement, we, we ask God, where are you? God, why aren't you doing something? And just, just remember this though, just because you can't see Him at work doesn't mean He's not. He's always working. He's always working on your behalf. And He's working all things together for your good. For your good and for your glory. He's at, he's at work. Here it is. I'm looking for my water. He, he's, he's at work even when you can't see Him. He's at work even when you don't understand. He's at work even when things seem uh, too, too far gone. He's at work because He loves you. He's at work because, uh, because He's given you some promises. He's at work because He always keeps His promises. Remember when He was hanging on the cross, uh, he, he was being mocked and one of, the thieves, one of the thieves said to Him, Lord, remember me when Thou comest into Thy kingdom. And what did Jesus say to him? He looked at him and He said, This day shalt thou be with me in paradise. Jesus, Jesus went to this place that He called paradise to, and was with that thief on the cross. Uh, was with that thief that died on the cross there, and 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 he was with. Uh, and he, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us uh, in Ephesians chapter four. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Hey, uh, what what was going on here? Jesus, uh, Jesus went to this place uh, called paradise, this place that he called paradise. He went to this place that, that he had referred to in Luke as Abraham's bosom. And he, he, took, these, he took these Old Testament saints and preached unto them. And, and he led them. He led them uh, out of, that, out of that, uh, that holding place. He led them up on high to be with God. To be in heaven. Many times we don't see what God is doing. We think that He's perhaps forgotten about us. But just because, again, just because we don't see what He's doing doesn't mean He's not at work. 
Jesus was working behind the scenes. Jesus was busy doing a great work. And while he's, while he's, he's there, he defeated death. He defeated hell. And he came out of the grave victorious. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. When Jesus died, he went down, he went down to, uh, to uh, this, the, the place of the, of the, where the dead spirits were. And, he, and he, took, he, he took the keys from hell. He took the keys of death. Hey, what kind of businessman doesn't have keys to his own establishment, right? Hey, Jesus. Jesus took the keys. He's in control. And he came back to life on that third day. Hey, after three days being in the grave, after three days being, uh, being physically dead, hey, the, the disciples were discouraged. They thought that he, he had forsaken them. They thought that he'd forgotten. They thought that all was lost. But he's God, inconspicuous. He's God at work, even though they couldn't see. But on that third day, we see after three days, after three days, he came out. He got up and He came out of the grave. He came back to life. He raised Himself from the dead. The Bible says there was a great earthquake and, and the, the angel rolled the stone away. And, the, and as Jesus came out, the, the guards that were standing there, they saw Him and they fell to the ground like dead men. And they, hey, Jesus was alive. After three days... After three days, he had, he, had, he had defeated sin. After three days, he had defeated hell. After three days, he defeated death. After three days, he came out of the grave. He is God invincible. Amen. Hey, we, most of us here, we, we love superhero movies and stuff like that and comic books or whatever. Hey, but there's no superhero that even comes close to the real power that Jesus has. He is God invincible. He's more powerful than all the armies of the world. He's more powerful than every enemy. He's more powerful than the devil. He's more powerful than everything you go through. He is God invincible. He got up on that third day. And he came out and showed himself alive. The Bible tells us, uh, the Bible tells us in Matthew, at the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. For the, and for fear of him, the, key, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto, him, unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know, whom ye, I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here for He is risen. As He said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. Hey, death couldn't hold Him. The devil couldn't defeat Him. He arose, and not just His spirit, but His body. He arose bodily and came out of the tomb in power. He showed Himself alive. The Bible says, after His passion with many infallible proofs, skeptics have tried to explain away the death by saying, by saying well, He just swooned. But, but medical, medical research has, has proven that no person could 
go through what Jesus went through and, and the things happened that happened there on the cross that happened with Jesus like when they pierced his side the blood and water coming out they said that is proof that he died he was dead hey the Roman soldiers they knew that if they took a criminal off the cross if they took somebody off the cross that wasn't dead they would be the next ones on the cross so they made sure that this man was dead before they took him down before they brought him off, the, uh, off of the cross before they wrapped him in grave clothes and buried him they made sure he was dead Jesus was dead Skeptics have tried to have tried to, to explain it away. They've come up with all kinds and fabricated all kinds of explanations, but hey, the the facts just aren't on their side. Science isn't on their side. Logic isn't on their side. Jesus died on the cross. But then he rose again. And he showed himself alive. To, to the women. He showed himself to the disciples. He showed himself to Peter. He showed himself in, in uh, to, uh, the Bible says, to over 500 people at one time. Some have, have tried to say, well, it was just a hallucination. There's no proof that Jesus raised from the dead. Yes, it was. Yes, there is. Here's the proof. He was dead and proven to be dead. And then they saw him alive. What, else, what other proof do we need, right? Hey, it's not some hallucination. Because one person might have a hallucination. But hallucinations don't happen to multiple people at the same time. Seeing the same thing. It just doesn't work that way. Jesus is alive. He, raised from the, he, he, he rose from the grave. Uh, and and, he's, and he, is, he is alive now. Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas uh, or, or Peter. And then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Acts chapter 1, the Bible says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was, called, he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Hey, he's alive. Jesus is alive. Behold the lamb in the manger. He's God incarnate. Hey, uh, in the wilderness, he's God infallible. With the people... He's God omnipotent. Before Pilate, He's God in control. On Calvary, He's God in our place. Uh, in the grave, He's God inconspicuous. But on the third day, He was God invincible. And He is God our Savior. And He offers Himself to you to save you from your sins. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He wants you to trust Him as your Savior. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, sacrificed to pay the price for our sin. By His shed blood and His death on the cross, we can have forgiveness. We can have eternal life. And that is God's gift to us. I wonder, have you trusted Him? Have you received His gift of eternal life? Have you received God 
as your Savior. And I'm not just saying, uh, you know, speaking generally of a God like like the world refers to all these different uh, beings as gods. I'm talking about the God of the Bible. I'm talking about the God who who became flesh and identified Himself as Jesus Christ. Have you trusted Him as your Savior? He wants you to. All of this that we've talked about today, He went through for you. So that you could have forgiveness. So that you could have peace. So that you could have eternity with Him. Have you received that gift? You can today. All that's required is that you understand that you're a sinner. That because you're a sinner, there's nothing that you can do to save yourself. You understand that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins. And He offers you eternal life. And then you receive it. It's it's not enough to, to just believe that these things happened. We must believe in Jesus Christ. Put our faith in Him as Lord and Savior. If you were in an airplane and that that airplane was going down, you could believe that a parachute would protect, would would help you to, to descend to safety. But unless you put that parachute on, it's not going to do you any good. You can believe the stories about Jesus, but unless you take that step of faith and, and believe in Him as your Lord and Savior, it's not going to do you a bit of good. I wonder this morning, have you believed in Jesus? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? It's just as simple as talking to Him and receiving a gift. A gift that He offers you by His grace. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you say, you say Philip, I, I, don't, I, I don't think I've ever received that gift. I don't know that if I died that I would go to heaven. I don't know that Jesus is my Savior. I don't know that my sins are forgiven. Hey, this, this is for you. I want you, to, I, want you to, I want you to listen to me, if you will. Jesus loves you and died for you. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to do it today. What do you do? Let's just bow our heads. And let's talk to Him. Let's, let's just talk to Him. And, and, and when, you know, some people say, well, I, I, I just, I'm not used to praying. I don't, I don't really ever pray a whole lot. I don't know what to say. Here, I'll help you. And, and the thing is, it's not, the words you say is not what's all important. What's important is that you mean, that you mean it from your heart. And that, that you're trusting in Jesus as your Savior. Not in religion. Not, not, in, not, in, not even, even in me as, as the preacher. But you're trusting in Jesus as your Savior. And you say to Him something like, Dear Jesus... I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve your love, but I'm really grateful that you offer it anyway. Thank you for paying the price for my sins when you died on the cross and shed your blood. I believe you did that to offer me salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. 
Right now I receive that gift. Right now I trust you as my Savior. Please forgive me and save me. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.